Hello everyone, George Watkins here on this wonderful Sunday night. We are gathered together around the Word of God and in connection with one another. For we know there's no distance between our spirits because there's no distance in prayer and there is no distance in love. Often I'll say to someone, I carry you in my heart. What does that mean? It means because I have a love for you or a, or a capacity to, to love you, I have a capacity to carry you in my heart. And because there is no distance between us in the spirit, the love I have for you or the prayer I have for you can affect you and impact you wherever you are. Isn't that amazing? That's the mystery of godliness that you and I live in. So I'm George Watkins, if you haven't met me before, and I am thrilled to be a part of your life today on this Sunday night. <laughs> and by the time we get to Sunday night, we are ready to go. Glory to God. Each Sunday, we gather about this same time. Occasionally, we'll have a uh, visitor. I'm wanting to have some come in this year again and share their life with us. We've got a, I've got a list of people that are on my heart to do that. So let's, let's enjoy these Sunday nights just a little different than, than the morning times. Just a little longer, perhaps, a little more teaching along the way. So let's jump right into our thoughts for today. Before we do, let me remind you to subscribe if you haven't to YouTube, like us and friend us uh, on <clears throat> Facebook. We all also are on Parlor, iHeart uh, Radio, um, Podbeam, and Instagram. So right down there in the notes below, you'll find all that. Something in my spirit's telling me there's a break, there's a a new platform or a fresh uh, platform coming in in 2023. <clears throat> I'm I'm hearing it, I'm seeing it form in my spirit. There's a there's a reason why we've had this foundational time together. This is our inner in entering into our fifth year with over 1,100 videos. Now, what's that for? Well, like they say, it's just a good start. And that start has given us the ability to hear the Lord, to have a, a little bit of technology that we've learned, and also to be on time and on target for what God's saying to us day by day. That's been a great practice for me, a great exercise of release and faith. And many of you have been with me quite a bit of this time. So appreciate our time together. Today we're talking about seeds, the power of seeds, the purpose of seeds. And my title says, Seeds Are Us, playing, of course, off of that, uh, <clears throat> you know, business they used to call Toys R Us. I'm saying Seeds R Us. That's pretty original, isn't it? Seeds R Us. I want to talk about the ministry of you 
and I being seeds in the ground. I gave an illustration in the notes below of my grandfather, John Erickson, and my grandmother, Elizabeth, that went into Montana in the first of the 1900s and and homesteaded 600 acres. Actually, it was my grandmother's homestead. In those days, you could register as a citizen and claim a homestead and get free land if you went there and developed it and built a cabin and cultivated the ground. So they did that for about 15 or 20 years. And in the doing, they planted a lot of seeds. My grandmother tells us one time of a hailstorm coming through and killing all of her turkeys. Well, she had to cook the turkeys up all at once to save them. They probably canned some of them like they used to do in those days. And then she went out and fed the 30 or so farmhands that were helping in the harvest. Those stories tell me that there was a lot more work than I would have liked to have got involved in. We look at the uh, we look at the farm life as idyllic, and uh, the Hallmark movies and the Christmas movies are all talking about the person in the city that's working in the job and they just hate the grind, and then they remember the farm or you know Dad calls them home, help me save the farm, and they go home and they have this wonderful joyous <laughs> farm life. Listen, folks, farming, plowing, breaking sod, planting seed, taking harvest is a lifetime occupation of work. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because the scriptures, even Jesus and Paul, refers to seed planting and harvest. Jesus talks about that in Mark 4, the farmer, the sower, they called it, went out to sow the seed and some of it fell here, and some of it fell there. And he begins to list the types of ground it falls on. I've preached on that. I've heard 1,500 sermons on it, I'm sure. And all the different types, describing the hard ground, and the ground with thorns, and the ground that was dry with no water, so forth. But we if they, <laughs> if we can endure it long enough, they finally get to the good ground. And in the good ground, we have 30 and 60 and 100 full return. All right. But the seed is the important subject in that journey, the seed. And it's the seed that we have become. We have become seeds in the ground of God's doing. We have been planted in a generation. When I was a kid, obviously, you know, 12 years old or 10, I wish I had been born in the cowboy days. Oh, how wonderful that would have been to ride horses and roam through the land and be a mountain man and, you know, trap beavers, okay? Their life expectancy was about 35. I wouldn't want that. <laughs> you know, we don't put that in our thinking. 
God put us in our generation for a purpose, and he put us in our family line in a purpose. He put us in our city and place we live is in a purpose. If we don't believe that, we live in a frustration most of our journey. We're always wanting to be somewhere else. I think, well, I know that the um, programs we watch on media, TV, movies, do more damage than good with our understanding of placement. What it does for us, it causes us to have um, a jealousy, and if not that, a, a covetous spirit for the person in the nice house, the big house, the good clothes, the better looking hair, the, you know, the remaking of the face with all the structural stuff they do to it. We are always wanting to be somebody else. It's a demonic lie that is trying to tell us that we have been misplaced and we are victims and we are in the wrong place at the wrong time. So be miserable, you sucker. <laughs> no, that's not the message that the gospel gives us. The gospel gives us a hand-picked, personal, hand-picked love affair with God who has shaped you in his image and given you the right tools, the right gifts, the right talents, the right personality. And he puts you in that situation with that personality, with that calling and gifting and desire and all those things in you so that as you bloom and manifest all those in your lifestyle, lifetime and lifestyle, you become the answer. You become the harvest. You become the food, the supply for someone in your region of life and your time of life. It's the, uh, <laughs> the in-betweens that really is frustrating. If you sit on the edge of your bed every night and judge that day as your life, there's going to be a lot of discouraging nights. What did I do today? Well, I didn't accomplish today. Oh, nobody was saved. Nobody was healed. I didn't make any money. I'm, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking older. I'm getting older by the minute. And uh, where's my life? <laughs> Don't do that. You just beat yourself up, become your worst enemy. You need to see the seasons, the planting, the watering, the harvest. Take a, take a quick sketch over here at 1 Corinthians 3. I'll read it out of the uh, Mirror Bible again. And 6. He's talking about Apollos, which was, he was kind of a hot rod guy. <laughs> there's, there's always an Apollos in everybody's life. A little bit taller, a little bit better looking. <laughs> they can talk better, have a bigger bigger crowd than you if you're a preacher. There's always one down the road. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring up any of those right now, okay? But there's always an Apollos, but he's referring to this. Apollos and I are on the same assignment. This is in three and five. On the same assignment, they say, he says, we, we are here for you to influence your faith, to discover yourself in Christ. Now, the only reason this, this setting here says what I'm going to say 
for myself. The only reason I'm in your life is to for you to discover who you are and to discover Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you're, if I, it goes on to say a little bit long here, Paul's talking about this. He says, if I don't show up again, if I never come back to your town again, that's not the problem. And it's not a big deal. And you'll, you'll not miss me because you have Christ in you and you have a journey to do. And it is, that's the importance of our being together. <laughs> oh, wow. How long does it take to learn that lesson? Verse 6, I have planted by bringing the gospel to you in the first place. Then Apollos watered the seed in his ministry to you, but God causes the Christ life to ignite and expand in you. So here we go. Big preacher, little preacher. You know, strong voice, weak voice, so so to call, so called. The basketball player that can run down the, you know, dribble down the court and sink the the three pointers, versus the guy who sets him up, passes. Somebody had to pass the ball to that hero for him to dance down the floor, him or her, to dance down the floor and sink it and win the game. And they go out on the shoulders of everyone and everybody applauds them. But it was the person who passed the ball to them that made it possible. You are a seed that the harvest is depending on. Without the seed in the ground, the glorious harvest that we see out across the the horizon, the golden grain blowing in the breeze. (laughs) I talked to you a few weeks ago, a few days ago about the sound of the combines. They'll never come unless the seed is in the ground. Amen. Good seed and good ground. That's you. Now, my grandfather had to sell his farm in uh, about 1925 and moved to California because he kept losing his crop because of the severe cold winters that would come early and kill the seed. Well, they sold the the field, moved to California. Now, (laughs) you know what happened? Somebody invented Russian winter wheat. Russian winter wheat is seed that you plant in the ground in the in the uh, last part of the year, in the in the fall of the year, and it sits in the under the soil. You see, the regular seed before that, they would plant at the first break of spring, so they get it in the ground, give it time to germinate and sprout and grow, and Before the cold came, they would get out there and quickly harvest. What a panic that was until someone invented a seed that could sit in the ground all winter long under the heavy snow and the cold and the freezing frost. (laughs) But as soon as it melted and the sun came out, that little sucker went to work. So they were way ahead of the time frame. You are that secret agent called winter wheat in the ground. 
And some of you have been in that ground under cold snow and, <laughs> and frost and, you know, all the banging around of winter and the winds and the, and the dark days, but you've been waiting to sprout and the sunlight's coming folks in your life. There's something happening in your life. That's new and fresh. There's a warmth coming to your spiritual shoulders. You're feeding the sun on the back of your head. You're saying, Whoa, something's changing. And what happens then that seed in your spirit is beginning to sprout. Now I see that often in people who have been to Sunday school as kids. Okay, they, they, they acknowledge Christ. They love Jesus. And then they just went underground. I mean, the enemy piled snow on them. They begin to do all kinds of stupid stuff. They look like they were hell bent for destruction. But down the road, something began to shine on them. The light of God, the warmth of God, the sunlight of God. And that little seed began to wiggle in them. And they came back to their original calling. That's what we do when we call our children back to God. That's what we do when we call our city back to God. There are people all around you with seed in them, and they're under the winter cold snow of rebellion and sin and what, you know, brokenness and stupidity and all the other ugly things that make it look like they are lost, a lost cause. The seed will never stop being a seed. Amen. I don't believe, I don't believe that there's people so lost that Christ can't bring them home. I don't believe that. Some of the scariest sinners in your life, God has hope for them. Amen. And I'm telling you, I've seen some I wanted to run from. Matter of fact, I probably did run from a bunch of them. But God has a seed planted in their life. Every once in a while, we get to harvest one of those, so it encourages us. But most of the time, all we can do is pray that God will shine the light of his warm love on them and let that seed begin to come home. Telephone calls come in, Mom, I was in a hotel room. I don't know why, but I just felt like I wanted to call you and tell you that God's dealing with me again. Those, those happen all the time. It's not unusual, and God will give me a word when I'm ministering at a church. Just last year, a few months ago, I was in Southern California, and God gave me that word. Pastor told me a few weeks ago that the phone calls have come in, the prayers, people have been coming back, telling how they've been drawing back, and they are being drawn back to the church and to, the, and to, the, and to Christ. So be encouraged today. That, the, that you are a seed and you are in the ground. And if you got winter snows on you, the sunlight's coming and you are going to be included in the harvest. Now, let me just remind you, I said it in the notes below, but Hebrews 11 is the chapter of our heroes of faith. But those precious people died without seeing their complete journey and they didn't see the harvest <laughs> they were they were total seed people you know martyrs planted in the ground oh i want to see harvest and i want to 
put my magazine together and I want to show you crowds and I want to I want to give you the number that we did and I want to impress you with how many souls were saved. Oh, isn't that beautiful? What does that do for us? It, it gives us a bigger ministry, gives us exciting results. Oh, somebody's got to do it. Why not me, Lord? Well, <laughs> oh, God says, no, I got you on another journey. You're a seed planter. Let somebody else harvest that sucker. Well, he said it right here. He said, he says, I have planted. Now, can you imagine Paul, the greatest apostle in the scriptures, wrote most of the New Testament revelation of Christ beyond imagination. He didn't tell us all of it. <laughs> he kept some of it back. And he says, I'm just planting seed. Now, we are the harvest of that fella. We're the harvest of his seed planting. But Apollos watered, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Verse 7, if all we succeeded to do was to attach, attach you to us as individuals, then we have failed you. The one who plants is not more important than the one who waters. It is not about us. It's about you realizing God's work within you. <laughs> oh, my. Let's not go there. That's a dark trail to get on when we talk about personality cults. Okay, let's we'll move by. We'll, we'll just move by that one. Okay. Wow, our individual assignment does not place the one above the other. No competition in this. We're all important to God. Some of the most powerful people I've ever known were closet Christians, or not they were closet ministries, not Christian, but closet ministries. They weren't public, but they had a handle on the spirit of God and the things of the of heavenlies that I didn't even realize at the time until I looked back and realized what powerful people they were. They were intercessors. They were, you know, widows that stayed in their home, but didn't didn't they didn't go anywhere but they prayed around the world all right so you seeds stay in the ground let the growth come sprout in your season and the harvest is god's doings god's dealings amen amen all right well that's my sunday night ranting and raving and shouting. <laughs> I love you guys. And gals, thank you for your faithful prayers back to me and to us and to this ministry. Thank you for your support financially. Some of you have been nudged of the Lord to give us, a, send us a gift, a financial blessing, and we receive that. Such an important thing. There's expenses along the way that we like to keep up on. And also, if you're nudged to do that, you can do it through PayPal or the address below. Until tomorrow morning, we're going to kick off another week of good stuff. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Next Sunday, I'm going to be in Hood River with Pastor Fritz and Wendy at um, the Covenant Christian 
Church. We'll talk about this week through the broadcast. I get to spend Sunday with them. That's a blessed church in Hood River, Oregon. All right. Until next time, Monday morning, collecting my thoughts as I say goodbye, but I want to remember that you are in the ground, so I may have to talk a little louder so you can hear me down there. <laughs> Keep sprouting.